There are groups of people, some who are sent and some who support. I want you to go with me just hypothetically for a second. I want you to imagine church is over here in about an hour, about 40 minutes, and you guys are going to walk out in the lobby. You're going to try to figure out where you're going to go to eat lunch, right? You're going to argue and debate, and you'll spend 20 minutes out there trying to figure out where your next stop is. But you'll pick your favorite restaurant. It's probably the place that, that you ate last week or the week before. And I want you to pretend with me for a second that you sat down at your lunch table. There's other seats around you. And in this seat, there's, there's a couple about my age. They're early 40s and got a middle schooler. They've got a high schooler and they sold everything they own. Left a comfortable life established here in North Alabama. And they took their family to Central America, to Guatemala, to give their life to a group of widows and orphans. And as you sit here at this lunch table, the they begin telling you these stories of, of these kids who walk for miles and they're malnourished. They don't have clothes that fit. They don't have support at home. That they, They're hopeless in a hopeless situation, but yet they begin to tell you story after story about the life change that's happening through their orphanage and through the ministry that they're getting to, to share the gospel with, with these widows, these orphans, the, the hurting of Central America and Guatemala and Honduras. And it's just story after story that you get to you get to hear all throughout this lunch. And there's another seat across from you. It's a, it's a 15 year old girl. She grew up in inner city America. All she'd ever known her entire life, the culture around her was, was gangs and violence. Her father had been killed in a drive-by shooting. Her mother was in prison. She's being raised by her grandmother and all she knew how you survive in this world is you have to be affiliated with a gang because if you don't have the gang, you have no support, you have no hope. You're, you're out ready for the wolves to destroy you. So if you don't know much about gang culture, you know, boys, as they kind of come up and they're initiated into the gangs, you can get beat in, right? They beat you into submission. You can, you have to perform crimes. You have to, to do different things so that the gang can know that they can trust you, right? For girls, on the other hand, as they become into preteens and come into teenage years, the way that they get initiated into the gangs isn't through violence or beating in, it's gang rape. The gang wants them to know that I own you. Well, as you're sitting here at lunch, this girl begins to tell you the story. See, that was her path. It's all she knew. But yet, because we support a ministry partner there in that inner city that they set up a center that provided after-school care and provided resources to to that entire population that that girl got to come in and she got to hear that there was hope that could be found not in a gang but in Jesus. That there was, there was freedom to be found that she didn't have to rely on a guide to provide for but that God was her ultimate provider and that, that he had all the love and all the support and everything that she needed. She got saved in that ministry center and now instead of being a part of this gang, now she's given her life to serve in this ministry and to begin telling other teenagers about Jesus. And you get to sit at this lunch table and you get to hear just, man, the impact that her life is making, that this ministry is making. There's another chair. This is a gentleman. He's 16 years old. He's from Tanzania. See, in his culture, in his tribe, the, the rite of passage for young men, the way you, you move from boyhood to manhood, the way you prove that you're ready for that is that you must go into a neighboring tribe and you must kill a neighboring villager to show that you're man enough, that you're strong enough, that you can make it into manhood. But see, before this, this teenage boy ever had to commit a crime, before he ever had to take a life, there was a pastor that he met 
that had been trained and equipped in a, a Bible college that through kingdom builders, through your generosity, that we were able to plant inside Tanzania, that there were pastors and leaders that, that shared the gospel, that told him the good news of Jesus. And that little boy, before he ever had to go through that rite of passage, he gave his life to Jesus. And now instead of committing acts of violence to become a man, now he's given his life to Jesus and he's learning himself how to be a pastor so that he can share the gospel, so that he can reach his tribesmen, that he can reach his nation. And you just sit there, right? Imagine the lunch table, all the stories that you're hearing and from your perspective, living the lives that most of us get to live, I want you to put yourself in the position of where you would be mentally hearing all these stories. And then all of a sudden the, uh, the waiter comes up and she lays the check on the table. You finished your dinner. She lays the check on the table and it's your move. What do you think you would do in that moment? I got the check. I'm going to take care of this so that you can continue reaching Central America, so that you can continue pouring your life and everything that you have into reaching inner city teenagers. They don't have to grow up in gang violence, but they can grow up in the gospel. I'm going to, I'm going to cover the check. Don't you worry about it. This is the least I can do so that you can continue to be trained to carry the gospel forward. See, that check hits the table and you snatch it up before any of them ever get their hands reached out. And you see, that's what Kingdom Builders is. It's a privilege to get to partner with these organizations and these individuals all over the world that who've been called, who've been sent to make an impact for the gospel of Jesus. And you may never get sent, but you are called to support. And so that's the challenge today. See, I've gotten to sit around those lunch tables. I've gotten to hear those stories. And I wish every single one of you could get that opportunity, but I'm here to tell you, if you're a kingdom builder, if you're a partner here, if you give generously, you can lay your head down on the pillow at night knowing you are making eternal difference in the world around you. You may never see it. You may never get to hear the stories. But one day when you stand before Jesus in heaven, you're going to have this, this list of all the impact that you made on this planet. That's kingdom builders. So I challenge you. You saw pastor talk about it. You should have gotten an envelope like this when you came in. Some point between now and the end of the year, I challenge you. Give generously. If you don't want to give physically, you can always give. You can text 84321. Puts your amount, the letters KB at the end of it, and every dollar that comes in. It doesn't pay for staffing. It doesn't pay for utility bills. It goes outside the walls of the church to reach a world that is hurting, that needs to hear the gospel. Amen. So thankful that we get to be a part of that. It is a privilege, and I'm telling you, we're going to continue sharing those stories of life change, and you get to be a part of it. If we'll sacrifice of ourselves, and we'll let God see what he can do through our generosity. Amen? Awesome. Hey, well, listen, my name's Adam. If you do not know me, I'm the executive pastor here. It's my privilege to be with you here. We're getting ready to shut down the year. Believe it or not, we are three weeks away from New Year's Eve, right? 2023. I feel like we just did this like last week. We just kind of rolled into 2022. We're three weeks away from the end of the year. And if you're like me, right, you're, you're already in your head beginning to think for, for what's 2023 going to hold. And I was getting ready to kind of prepare this message. Pastor Steve um, kind of gave us the challenge. Today, I'm just speaking to Florence and our online audience. Welcome everybody that's there. 
Um, but we've got other live communicators at our other campuses in Shoals and Lawrenceburg. So, so I just kind of got free reigns to speak whatever I need to today, and I don't have to worry about how it translates through a camera today, right? So that's awesome. And I wanted to come up with like this really inspiring, fun, like I want to throw in some jokes, make you feel real good, and like y'all be like, Adam's awesome, I like him. And uh, I started praying like, God, man, we're, we're coming to the end of this year, like what could I share? What could be the, what could be the message, right? There's, there's no rules, I get to preach what I want to preach. And I'll be honest, the message that I got might be a little challenging for some of you. It might probably won't get a lot of amens. It didn't in the first service, and I'm okay with that. Because here's what I know. As you begin moving into 2023, you've already begun your plans, right? I know some of you, you have to submit your vacations, kind of the first of the year. It's a first-come, first-served thing. So you already started thinking, like, man, what trips do we want to take next year? What do we want to do? You've already started thinking about some of those New Year's resolutions, right? All of you have already started figuring out how you're going to lose weight next year, right? You got those resolutions. I want to be more physically fit. I want to be more financially stable. Some of you, maybe you're thinking about buying a new home, buying a new car. We've got some home projects that the wife's already telling me, hey, next year I want to do this. I want to do that. I've got twins who are turning 15 in February, so we're already like making plans. Like I've got to buy two cars next year. Right? They don't tell you that when you have twins. Like you, I mean, you know it. They don't, shouldn't have to tell you, but it's like, oh, they walk. Oh, they, oh, wait. They both have to have cars at the same time. They both have to go to college at the same time. So we've already started making plans for next year. Maybe some of you are considering that proposal that you were going to make next year, right? You're kind of viewing your future, what it's going to look like. But the challenge today, and I think one of the problems we run into, is that before we can consider the success of where we're going, we must first consider the condition of where we are. So here's what I promise. There will not be a new year, new you, if you don't first take the time to pause and, and consider why are you not experiencing the life and the success that you want in the current year as the current you? Why are you not experiencing? You had probably those same resolutions Many of those same goals as the beginning of 2022 that you're going to carry over into 2023. The question is, why are you not already living the life that you want? Why are you not experiencing that? See, nobody, we talk about these plans, nobody plans to fail. Nobody goes into life, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what, I, this is what I'm thinking. I'm going to come up with these really big dreams and then I'm going to fall short of every single one of them. That's my plan. But yet, when we look around us in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our churches, in our families, what we see is that people aren't living the successful life that we know they want to live and that Scripture tells us God makes available to them. So the question is why? Did you know that success is predictable? It's not about being in the right place at the right time. It's not about luck or chance. Studies have been done on this over and over and over again. Success is science. There are certain factors that when you look at successful people and what they do, how they arrange their lives, what they have to, to put in place in order to experience success in whatever aspect of their life that you would kind of look at as, as being a goal, as being a, something that you want to experience success in, there are variables, there are ingredients that are required. And so today we're going to look at four of those, those variables, four of those ingredients that must be in your life. This isn't a, you need one out of four 
two out of four. You need four out of four for you to live the promised life that Jesus said you could have. John 10, 10, he said, I came that they may have life and that they may live it to the fullest. The question today is, are you living your life to the fullest? We're really good in our lives about, about running and going, and it's all about the grind. It's all about the future. It's all about pushing, and we never stop and pause and say, where am I at right now? What got me here? And so today's the pause button. We're going to evaluate ourselves today, and sometimes that's not fun, and it probably won't get many amens, but I'm good because I don't need your amen. Here we go. The first one, the first ingredient that you have to have in your life if you want to experience the success that you want is community. Everybody say community. Community, by definition, is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. It's a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So you need community in your life because success and isolation don't go together. If you are isolating yourself, what you are doing is you are elevating your problems, and that means you are furthering yourself away from the life that God wants you to have. Look at what Scripture says. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 say, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other what? Succeed. Two people can help each other succeed, for if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Do you know that you can be surrounded by people and still be isolated? You can have a, a large group of what you would call friends in your life. And the reality be, you're still not living in the community that Scripture says you should be living in. Ask yourself this question as we pause at the end of 2022. Who knows you and like they really know you? Not just your highs, not just your, your celebrations. They show up to the birthday parties and they show up. They like your, your highlight reel on social media, and oh, I know them. They're awesome. They're great. But who really knows you? Who knows your fears? Who knows your struggles? Who knows the thoughts that keep you up at night? That's how you know if you're truly living in community. If you're taking notes, writing this down. The thing you need to know the most will often be the thing you want to hear the least. See, that's the true test of community. If you want to know if you are living in community, if you have a real group of real friends around you, then answer this question. When was the last time a friend of yours told you something you didn't want to hear about yourself because they saw a blind spot in your life? They know your goals, they know what you want to achieve, they know kind of what you're aiming for, but yet because they're close to you and you've given them access to your life, they see you doing something or living a certain way or having a certain attitude that is counter to the life you say you want and they love God enough and they love you enough to call you on it. 
When was the last time you had that conversation? When was the last time you had that conversation with somebody else? When was the last time you went to a friend and you said, listen, I love you. I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. I know what you want in life. And I just love you enough to tell you that this, this action, this thing that you're doing, whatever it may be, it's not good for you. And it's the thing that's stopping you from, from achieving that life. And I'm here to help you. I want to pray you through it. I want to help you get past it. When was the last time you had that conversation, either on the giving or the receiving side? And the answer to that question will tell you, what kind of community are you really living in? See, we've all got blind spots. We've all got things in our lives that that we don't want to hear. But those are the very things that you need to know as you move into a new year and you try to figure out, man, I want to go for these goals and dreams. There's something that that's stopping you. And if you are allowing people into your life, they can see it way before you do. You need community in your life. The next ingredient, the next variable that's required is transparency. Transparency by definition says it's the quality or state of being done in an open way without secrets. One of the things that frustrates me probably the most about our culture today and kind of where we are, like I'm a black and white person, you know, like if you know me, really know me, like I don't pull punches, I don't hide things, like I am what I am, I'm black and white, I don't like gray. Um, But one of the things that frustrates me is we have lost in our culture the ability to be honest. And we say it's because we care. I'm so concerned about their feelings. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Like I, I see something that they don't need to do. I see she don't need to be wearing that. He don't need to be going there. He's drinking too much. He shouldn't be doing But I, if I say something, it's going to upset him. It's going to, so I, I can't be honest with other people because it's their feelings are at stake. And we don't ever take into consideration that what's actually at stake isn't their feelings, but it's their future. We can't be honest with other people. Unfortunately, we can't be honest with ourselves. Carl Jung, who is the the founder of analytical psychology, I'm a nerd and I read that kind of stuff, he said this. He said, the thing you need to find the most will be in the place you least want to look. And if you were honest with yourself, what many of us would say is probably the scariest place you could ever imagine looking is inside yourself. At your own heart, at your own mind, what are those thoughts? What are those feelings that you, if we took the contents of you and we put it up on a whiteboard for everybody in this room to see, what would we look at? See, those are the things that, that you bury down. There is no transparency there, and yet we put on our, our mask and we put on our good Christian smile because I, I can't let you see me. One of the things I tell my kids all the time, and I honestly believe it might be the most valuable um, thing that a person can have in their life, is self-awareness. Self-awareness is the key to everything in life. You have to know yourself. Right? The first step to, to solving a problem is what? Admitting there's a problem. You've heard that, right? But yet we don't want to be honest with ourselves. Can't be honest with other people. We can't be honest with ourselves. And that means surely to goodness, we can't be honest to other people about ourselves. And so we conceal, we hide, 
Look at what scripture says. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. See, success and secrets don't go together. You can't have secrets. You can't hide those things. You have to be transparent. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, we don't like that word confession. Some of you are recovering Catholics and you get a picture of a, a wooden box and a preacher on the other side. Like, I can't, I can't tell them what I'm really thinking, what I'm really going through. They're not going to like me very much. And the truth is confession will always cost you something. But it'll always cost less than the cost of concealment. We have a suicide epidemic going on in the world around us. And do you know the reason that, that we're facing that so much in our world today? It's because there's no transparency. People can't be real. When they're struggling, when they're hurting, when they're dealing with depression and fear and anxiety, they don't feel like they can share it with anybody in the world around them, and so they internalize it. What they do is they isolate themselves from community because they can't be transparent, they can't be open, and what happens is it kills them from the inside out. The means of the suicide was just a symptom of the death that had already occurred because there was no transparency in their life. So you need community. You need transparency. The third thing that you need, it doesn't get any easier. I'm sorry. But it's very important. If you want to experience life and success, you also have to have discipline. Everybody say discipline. Discipline, discipline by definition. This one hurt me a little bit. It said the quality of being able to behave and work in a controlled way, which involves obeying particular rules or standards. Now talk about words we don't like. Let's try behave, work, control, obey, rules. We don't like any of those things. That's why we don't like discipline. But the truth is that success and a lack of self-control don't go together. If you want to reach your goals, if you want to live the life that God's promised you could have, it takes discipline. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 15 it says, lazy people sleep soundly. Man, it's a piece of cake. We got this. But idleness leaves them hungry. Proverbs 5.23 says, he will die for a lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. You see, it doesn't just say things aren't going to go well for him. He's going to have a tough time. A lack of self-control, Scripture says, will kill you. It'll kill your hopes. It'll kill your dreams. It will kill your future. You see, discipline, it's one of those things that everybody knows that you need, but you've spent your entire life running away from. Right? Because there's this rebellious spirit on the inside of all of us because we live in a broken, fallen world. It's rebellion. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot to most of us today because for the most part, none of us live in cities surrounded by walls. 
But back when this scripture was written to the people it was written to, walls were a reality of life. All the cities were surrounded by walls because you see there was dangers all around them. There were enemies just waiting to come destroy them. So the walls were very important. Walls had to be built up because walls provided protection. Walls say, no, you can't come in. You don't have access to my life. You aren't welcome here. The problem is that some of you don't have any walls in your life. You don't know how to say no. We read the scriptures, right? Without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. I'm like, yeah, I don't need walls. I'm, I'm open to everybody. I love everybody. I want to be there for everybody. And you never know what you're letting into your life if you're not willing to say no. The truth, see, is we all have potential. We've all been given gifts and talents and abilities. There's opportunities that God has laid out before us. The scripture says so. We all have potential. The problem is that we start looking into our own potential and trying to figure out, what do I want for my life? The truth is that God guarantees his promises, but you're responsible for your potential. And we don't want to hear that. God bless me. God changed me. God worked in my life. But all of a sudden, when discipline shows up and is required that you have to do something to experience the life that you want, well, all of a sudden, hold up. I don't want to have to work because discipline is what? It's hard. Discipline is not fun. That's why we're not very good at it. But guess what? Life is hard. And anything that you look at in your life, any goals that you have in your life, it will be difficult to get there. If you say 2023, you're getting ready to make your New Year's resolutions and you say, I want to be more physically healthy. I need to lose some weight. I need to start working out, exercise, and I need to eat right. That's a hard thing to do. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes willpower, self-control. Being healthy is hard. Guess what? Being unhealthy is hard. Sickness, depression, it's difficult. Living a disciplined life financially, I'm going to make a budget, I'm going to stick to it, I'm going to save, I'm going to be generous, I'm going to invest in myself, I'm going to invest in the kingdom, I'm going to see what God could do through my life and the resources he's blessed me with. I'm going to live a disciplined financial life. That's hard especially when those Black Friday holiday emails like roll through your inbox, you know? And the credit card comes out and you just knock all the walls down with it. Living financially disciplined is hard. Guess what? Being broke is hard. It's hard not knowing how you're going to pay your bills. It's hard living from paycheck to paycheck, staying up worried at night because you don't know where your next money's going to come to pay the next bill. That's hard. Being a friend is hard because friends will need things. They'll need help. They'll need encouragement, right? Sometimes your friend's going to move and they're going to need help and you're not going to want to do it because you're selfish. Being a friend is hard. Being lonely is hard. Having no friends is hard. Living a life of faith, trusting that God is who he said he is. He can do what he said he can do. That whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, God can overcome it if you'll just trust in him. That's a hard thing to do. 
living your life in fear and anxiety and worry because you think it's all up to you. That's hard. Do you see a pattern here? The good news is you get to choose your heart. It's not easy. It takes discipline. But what you get on the backside, make no mistake, will be as a result of the choices that you made. God's responsible for his promises, but you're responsible for your potential. And we don't like that very much. And because we don't like it very much, that means typically most of us don't experience the life that he always wanted us to have. So you need community. You need transparency. You need discipline. Doesn't get any easier from here. Last up, you need humility. Humility by definition is freedom from pride or arrogance. It's the feeling or attitude that you have no special importance, that you are no better than anybody else. Humility. It's required because see, success and pride don't go together. Pride is the sin that leads to all other sin. Pride says I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough, I'm, I'm wealthy enough, I'm connected enough. I don't need anybody or anything. That's pride speaking. This is what scripture says about pride. Psalms chapter 25 verses 8 and 9 says, The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them whose way? His way. See, if we're being honest, some of you aren't experiencing and living the life and you aren't attaining the goals that you want because you started building your life and your foundation and you started shooting for a target that you wanted and you never even took into consideration. What's the proper path that God has for my life? What is it that God wants me to have and that God wants me to experience? You build your entire life on your foundation and all of a sudden you get to some point and you realize this isn't, this isn't working out the way I thought he would. God prepares the plan, but you're responsible for your path. Has anybody ever told you that you can be anything you want to be? You just work hard enough and grit it out. We're really good at telling teenagers this, like you can be anything you want. You just set your mind to it and do you know that's a path to failure? You can't be anything you want to be. If you're four foot eight, you can't play in the NBA. I don't care how high you can jump. I don't care how fast you are. It'll never happen for you. It just won't. Guess what? That's not God's proper path for your life. You can't be anything that you want to be, but you can be everything God created you to be. The problem is that we get so busy and we get to working so hard and shooting for our goals and attaining our success that we never slow down and we never say, God, what is it that you have for my life? What is it that you want me to experience? See, Proverbs 11.2 says this. It says, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. I want you to think about Maybe you're like me and there's, there's packages showing up at your house every single day at this time of year, right? Like I got a stack this high every day. And if you've ever noticed, it doesn't matter what product you buy, when you open up the box, the very first thing you see isn't the product that you purchased, right? It doesn't matter if it's technology, you get the new iPad, whatever it is, the first thing you open up isn't the iPad. 
there's this little book on top. I bought, we needed a new work, like workout weight bench at our house, and I bought a new weight bench, and how complicated is a weight bench, right? It's a flat thing, it's got two legs, it's pretty easy. I opened up the box this last week. First thing I see is this instruction manual, right? And like any intelligent man, I take it and I toss it across the room because I'm prideful. And why would I consider what the manufacturer says? Right? The person that created this thing knows how it needs to function and knows how it needs to come together, but I don't need to hear that. I got this. So I sat down and began assembling this, this workbench, this weight bench, and literally it's two legs, eight bolts, two pins. And I can see the holes. Like it, this is very easy, right? I'm very educated. So I sit down, I put the first leg on, and it goes on like a champ. I'm like, this is the easiest assembly thing ever. And I go to grab the second leg, and all of a sudden it don't fit. Like it fits, but there's all this like wiggle room and I can't get the bolt to go in. The holes don't line up. And I'm like, what is happening? The first one fit perfectly. Like it can't be any better. So I sat and messed with it. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. It's not working. It's not turning out like I wanted it to turn out. And so eventually I had to humble myself, right? I'm sitting in the floor. And so I had to get my big self up, slowly walk over and pick up the instruction manual that I tossed across the room. And it hit me, maybe I should consult the creator to see how the intended purpose of this thing should. And randomly, for some reason, they created this so that the legs had to go in certain places. And that workout bench was never going to accomplish its created purpose if I didn't put it together and build it in a way that the creator said I needed to assemble it. And when you look at your life, how many of you begin building your life and setting your goals and working for your success without ever considering what did the creator want me to do with my life? Did you know that God wants you to succeed? He wants you to win. No creator of any product has ever created it for it to fail. He has a vested interest in your success because he made you to be Successful. But again, we look around ourselves and so many of us, things aren't working the way we want them to work. And maybe it's because you began putting your life together without ever considering how did, what was the proper path? How did God want me to put this thing together? But yet we do it and we wonder why things are just falling apart all around us. Colossians chapter three, verse 12 says, since God chose you, to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See this idea of clothing yourself in, humi in humility. So I look around the room, I think all of us have clothes on, hopefully. And so what that tells me is that every single one of you, I'm assuming you didn't sleep last night in what you currently have on right now. Some of you may have, if I'm being honest. No, I'm kidding. That means at some point this morning, you got up, you walked to your closet, or you walked to your chest of drawers. Some of you walked to the pile of clothes in the corner. And you made a decision. You made a choice. I'm going to wear this today. This outfit goes together. This works. I look good in this. Some of you made a good choice, and some of you didn't. But here's what I know did not happen. You didn't walk into that closet this morning, pick out the outfit you wanted, and then just kind of like 
I know the clothes didn't just jump on you, right? Because you were clothing yourself. You made a decision and you had to put on the clothes that you're currently wearing. And that's what scripture says you have to do with humility. You gotta put it on. Because you see, just like community, just like transparency and just like discipline, humility is a choice. Success is a choice. And as I'm saying this, I know some of you are, you're gonna hear me saying that success, that means you're gonna be rich and you're gonna be, have all the things that you want in life, that your life's gonna be all sunshine and rainbows and it's gonna be just this great time, no problems, no concerns. And if you're hearing me say that, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's gonna be everything you wanted it to be, but I'm telling you, if you will align your life with the Creator, and you will begin making decisions and choices and living your life the way he said you should live, following his proper path, following his word and his spirit, then I promise you, with all of scripture backing me up, you will never follow Jesus to failure. Because guess what? He doesn't fail. He never has. He never will. He didn't start then and he's not gonna start now. So what are you going through? What are you experiencing in your life right now? What goals have you set for yourself? What, what dreams and visions and plans have you laid out? Here's what I know. And I've asked the band to join me as we kind of close out this day with a song. There are gonna be storms that are gonna come your way. They're gonna try to stop you from experiencing and living the life that God said you could have. But here's what I know. Even though the rains could come, the wind can blow, the storms of life can try to give you everything that they have. If you're building your life on His foundation and following His truths and His teachings, you will not fail. You can't fail. So that's the challenge. Everybody on their feet. Listen, I want you to sing this out if you believe it. Because if you do, you'll make it through. The dreams and the goals and the, the successes you want in life are available to you, but they're only available in one way, and that's through Him. It's not through you. Begin aligning your life and see what God can do through your life. Let's sing it.